The number of responsibilities and opportunities involved when starting a business or becoming a leader within an organization can overwhelm the best of us. It certainly overwhelmed David and Matthew. Join the two hosts as they interview successful leaders about their journey to leadership, including victories, failures, and realizations. This is Like It's Your Job, a podcast from TSG Publishing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Like It's Your Job, the podcast for business owners. I'm your host, David Shields. And I'm your other host, Matt Shields. Today, we have a special podcast. We have the privilege of uh, a guest and a longtime friend of the Shields family, Bill Cauley. Uh, Bill's the brand and vision behind Cauley Partners, a full service company that develops and manages commercial office space based in Dallas, Texas. Over the course of Bill's career, he's owned and operated all classes of commercial real estate in multiple markets, acquiring and developing more than 12 million square feet of commercial office space. Bill recently served as the 2020 chairman of Trek and as a past board member of the NTCAR. In addition to his industry-related committee positions, Bill serves the local community as a board member of Children's Medical, while also supporting numerous charitable organizations. Welcome, Bill. David, glad to be here. You too, Matt. Good to have you on. Thanks. Yeah, it really is. So today we're going to talk about uh, mentorship, which I know is a kind of a critical part of your career, Bill, both probably receiving some mentorship and giving back to the community a little bit. But before we get into that, tell us a little bit about your personal professional background and about your business. Um, I was raised in the Midwest, came to Dallas early, like in my late 20s, came to Dallas, didn't really have a lot of relationships. So um, always real estate, my heart, my dad was my, I was so close to my dad. So he was in the real estate business. So it was always just real estate. But I came here and I got the service side of the business because I wanted to understand how it worked. So early in my career, I was in the service side and I always wanted to be an owner developer where I could kind of create projects. And I morphed over the years. I went from just being in the service business. I had to make enough money to be able to be an investor developer. And in the mid nineties to early two thousands, I started developing. And as I developed, I got much more interested in developing than being in the service side. So I sold my service side of my business. And today we're full service real estate company from an ownership perspective, we manage and lease our own properties and we're investors and or developers of office space, mostly in Texas or surrounding states. So uh, the main topic today is uh, mentorship. And you know the, 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 the basis of any good mentor mentee relationship or any good mentorship relationship um, is uh, that personal and professional mix of relationships that's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's the core. So Matt, why don't you tell us about the quote? Yeah, so the quote that you provided today, Bill, was at the end of the day, it's our relationships that matter. This is obviously very mentorship focused, but, but curious to hear uh, your thoughts on, on why you chose this quote, why it's meaningful and impactful for you. Well, I think people that are doing business with you wanna know that you're focused on them and not on the money or the transaction. And you know, early in my career, regrettably, I focused on dollars. And I never had much success until I let that go and I followed relationships to where I poured into what the client wanted, just totally focused on them. I think if you focus on the person that's in front of you and just focus on what doing what's best for them, in the long run, you win. So I just want our culture and people to know that are dealing with us that our focus is them, not us. 
Yeah, I mean, real estate is, it's such a people business, especially on the commercial side, or really, I guess, on the residential side. I mean, this is often where people spend hours and hours and hours of their day. Um, so as a developer, as a manager, as an investor, it's so important that you get the little details right. And understanding the individual behind, you know, the, the user is important. It's, it's crucial in that. Well, I mean, we've all been in negotiations, in, especially uh, in any business relationship, where some people feel like they have to win all the time. I, I think mm -hmm. the best transactions or the best relationships are ones that work both for the buyer and the seller or the client and the service provider. I think both people have to win for it to work. And I think anybody that has a view of trying to take the last dollar off the table or winning is not somebody I would want to do business with. I just think the deal needs to be fair and it needs to be focused on the client. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. As part of developing those relationships and getting into really any business, but I know you, you come from a, obviously a commercial real estate event, um, where does somebody, you know, like a protege, somebody looking for a mentor, where does a, what is a, where does a protege begin and how formal should it be? Should you, should you ask somebody to be a mentor or should you just sort of develop that relationship in kind of a, a, you know, a more natural or unspoken sort of capacity? I think to be mentored or a mentee wanting, I think there has to be mutual respect. At least the person that wants to be mentored uh, needs to look up or at least see value in that relationship. So I think there has to be some a genuine connection there. With Trek, we do a, a mentor-mentee annually where young people in the business, we team them up with, with people that have been in the industry for longer periods of time to help mentor them for a year. And then that, that relationship can last longer than that or end at that point. I've had some that were very successful because the person that was assigned to me saw value in the relationship. I had one instance where one that was assigned to me really didn't see the value. So there was really no connection there. So I, I think, um, one, I think you have to provide something for that person or in their mind that you can give them either guidance or connections or something, but it has to be a genuine, authentic relationship. Yeah, I mean, even in the formalized structure where, where you're assigned, for lack of a better term, a mentor or a mentee, you still have to have all of those components for it to be successful. At Deloitte, we, we had a program where we were, we were matched or assigned with a, an individual who was at least two levels above us, so, so two promotions ahead of us, yeah. to just help navigate the internal uh, structures, processes, politics of the firm, understand what good client service looks like. Um, and I was very lucky that my mentor was really engaged. We, we talked monthly, we had agendas for every call. He was an advocate for me, you know, internal to the firm, but there were others that just for one reason or another, they just never, they never worked. Um, so even when they are assigned or matched or however you want to put it, you still have to have that quid pro quo that, that, that benefits on both ends in order for it to be, uh, be useful and impactful for both parties. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, like if you if you're mentor being mentored, but you don't find value in the mentorship, it's not going to work. And, and again, it has to be both people have to pour into each other and see value in the relationship or it's not going to work. And, you know, um, in, in one instance, and I've mentored 
Uh, I'm a recovering alcoholic, so I mentor a lot of kids with drug and alcohol, I, um, even adults. I mean, I do business mentoring. I do have a strong faith, so I, I mentor people uh, faith-based mentoring. And again, it's all about the person seeing value in the relationship and then pouring into each other. And I think transparency and intimacy is really important for it to be really, really, really effective. What kind of things can a can a protege or somebody looking for some mentorship do to signal I'm not just about referrals or a job or anything else? I really am truly looking for the depth and level of mentorship that somebody of your caliber would bring to a relationship like that. Well, I think being genuine or, or authentic and actually caring about the relationship and not the benefits. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to see if somebody is focused on benefits and not the relationship. Like I mentor kids coming out of college, trying to help them find work. I can't hire everybody, but I turn no one away. You go through a long process of connecting them with the right people. And I also get people that come to me that maybe aren't, isn't someone that I want to recommend. So you have to be authentic as, as a mentee to tell them or mentor to tell them, Hey guy, you know, you need to fix this, this, and this for me to, to, to want to connect you. Because if I start connecting people that aren't genuine or aren't quality, then my connection doesn't mean anything and I cannot be effective. So, but I, I do think it's all about being open, honest, and transparent and, and just pouring into each other and being like, a lot of times you have to tell somebody something they don't want to hear, but more that they need to hear. And, and that's part of part of the role of a of a mentor for sure to say that to encourage the good and discourage the things that need you know that you need to work on. Like um, I, had a, I had a guy come to me a month ago, college graduate, smart kid. He comes in with a suit, looking like he's getting ready to go to the discotheque. I mean, he had a fancy haircut. He just looked. It was like if if he was looking to go. Uh, Meet a girl might be the right thing, but going looking for a job, it's the wrong thing. And he was, when I got past how his first impression was, he was an impressive guy. And, and I'm sitting there maybe 10, 15 minutes, and finally I said, okay, you got to lose the suit. You got to get a different haircut. You know, if, if you want to go get a job, it's all about, uh, and, and in this instance, I was mentoring him for, for employment, is, you know, it's telling them what they need to hear and having enough uh, credibility in the relationship so that they'll listen. Because if they don't see value in what you're saying or you as a person, it's it, it, the, the relationship just doesn't work. And as part of this transparency, you know, as part of it formalizing the relationship between the mentor and the mentee, um, or have you sort of looked back and six months into a relationship thought, oh, wow, this is just another another mentee that I have here. And I didn't realize it until we were talking every two weeks or once a month or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I think every relationship takes its own life, right? And it's about um, some there, you can mentor them, but there's not really a personal connection. Some there's been personal connections. So like I've got college kids, my wife and I are going to dinner with, I mean, uh, because we really connected and they've poured back into the relationship. And, and I'm okay either way, because I think if you're going to mentor somebody, it should be about the person that you're mentoring, not about you and what you need. It should be about helping them. And so I'm fine wherever the relationship goes, 
as long as I'm providing the benefit for them. And because bottom line, if it's just a job and once they find a job, they ride off into the sunset, then I feel like I've accomplished what they've asked me to do. And I feel good about that, getting them in the right place. Now I have some that years and years on, like three and four years on, they still connect. We still go have lunch once a quarter. And, and those come in to go from a mentor mentee relationship to a tight friendship. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, one of the things I like at my age is having friends that are young. I think it's, uh, it, it gives me better view into, into it, it makes me feel so good about the, the future. You know, it just, I like having young friends. Well, and you get those young visionaries that are going to influence the market for 10, 20, 30 years, and you get a little bit of insight into what the, the market looks like, you know, just even professionally speaking. So you, well, you sort of touched on, on this earlier uh, in the conversation that you do faith-based mentoring, personal mentoring, and, and, and professional business mentoring. So I just want to talk for a little bit about different types of categories that exist. And, mm-hmm. and are they based on age, career level, industry? You know, how do you, how do you approach uh, these, these different types of, of mentorships? And I imagine that there's some crossover between professional, personal, faith, uh, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, but just curious about your thoughts on, on that. Well, I think um, the more open and genuine a person is about the struggles they've had in their personal life, the more opportunity, in my opinion, God brings to us to mentor people or to be a change agent for someone that's struggling. So like I had an alcohol problem in my life. I've been sober 36 years and I'm open about it because you never know when you're going to run into somebody that's dealing with that issue that needs help and they don't really know where to go to get advice. And I can't tell you um, how many times by just being open and transparent, those people have shown up. And it's a 70% failure ratio when you're alcohol and drug related issues. But those 30% wins are just so rewarding. Now, faith, um, again, I'm open about my faith. One of the things I love about owning my own business is nobody can tell me I can't do anything because it's my business, right? And if, you know, I think you just need to be genuine. And not everybody needs to have an interest in the faith that I have. But if I'm open and authentic about it, there's people that are seeking all the time in faith-based related issues, alcohol and drug issues, and mentoring business issues. Like, you know, we all know people that are in a job that they feel like it's a beating every day they go to work because they think they're misplaced, but they don't know how to get out of it. And I I think telling people what they need to hear instead of what they really want to hear, one of the things that kind of bothers me about I get kids that come to me that are are being mentored and some people just give them lip service and send them down the road. I think you need to really tell them, you know, because like if a person's going to make a change in an, in in a job, they need to do it young before they're married and they've got a mortgage and they've got all these commitments. You got to have some flexibility financially to go take the risk. Mm-hmm. The harder you get into your life, the more difficult it is to make a change. And, you know, I know people that have been misplaced in their in their employment position their whole life. They're miserable in their job. Mm-hmm. And um, it just takes, you know, you just have to take action. 
Yeah, life's too short to um, to not find what you're really passionate about. Have you had a, uh, just out of curiosity, Bill, have you had any kind of, you know, pseudo mentee relationships where you just said, look, you, you're not cut out for the commercial real estate business or you're yeah. not cut out for the real estate business. And uh, for whatever reason, my, you know, I think you ought to go find something else to do. And tell us yes. a little bit about that conversation. Yes. Well, um, I had, um, I had a, um, a girl. It was a, it was a daughter of a very well-known real estate developer in Dallas. And her dad said, you got to go, find this out on your own. You got to go do, you know, I'm not going to give you a job. And I met with her two or three times and it was apparent that she was just going through the steps because her dad wanted her to go interview, but there was no passion there. There was no real interest in, 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 in our industry. And I just, after about the third meeting, I just told her what I felt. I said, you know, I don't see any passion here. You know, are you here because your dad's wanting you to go do this? I mean, is this the industry you want to be in? And, and, and this was a girl that really hadn't found her way yet as far as what her passion is. She didn't really have a, another passion she was interested in. She just was fairly complacent about work. <laughs> so um, I've had, you know, probably I would say 15 to 20% of the people I mentor where I've... Um, I've just had to have the hard conversation. You know, I mean, I've had people going down a road that I said, this will never happen. You need to kind of think about doing this instead of that. I, I just think you owe it to them to tell them what you think, even if it hurts them or it's not. Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's part of the relationship, right? Even on a personal level is to make sure that people's jobs, their employment is, is fulfilling. They have a purpose in life. And if, you know, like for instance, this, this woman that she mentored, she's not going to be fulfilled in commercial real estate. You know, it's probably time to, to move on and, and go explore her other passions, even if she doesn't know what they are at that totally point in time. Totally agree. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, um, I, I just think like I have told kids that are in front of me that at the point they don't really want to hear it, but they appreciate hearing it. You know, and like I always ask them, I go, because everybody wants to do real estate, but they don't know what that means. Yeah. And I'll, I'll go, okay, what are you the best at? Like, if, if, if you could have utopia, what would utopia be in a job? And if they don't have clarity about that, then you have to, you know, you have to pull it out of them to figure out what's your best skill set. Like for me, mm -hmm. I don't like detail. I like starting projects. I don't like the minutia of finishing. I'm a relationship person. I'm okay with detail, but I don't enjoy it. So I, I have total clarity on what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. I think everybody has unique ability and you should lean into what you're good at and forget what you're bad at. You know, like when, when, when I was a kid, we always taught to focus on our, on our weaknesses. Forget your weaknesses, focus on your strengths. Let somebody else in your business do what you're not good at. Yeah, it seems like part of mentorship um, is helping people find their place in, their, in a team, right? Helping yes. people find their place in an industry, mm -hmm. in an ecosystem, you know, in a in addition to a career. And part of that, I think, is just like what you said. It's focusing on your strengths, what you do well, and really hone in on that. You know, maybe there's some maybe there's some things you're not as good at that not, that need to be shaped or improved to help support what you're really good at. But for the most part, 
um, that's a really good uh, it's a really good set of advice to focus on what you are what you want to do what you're passionate about and what you're good at because when those overlap you know you won't work a day in your life and that's part of the, the strength of the, of the mentorship relationship is the ability to provide that objective sort of third party view you know mm -hmm. just based on what I'm hearing this will or or may not work for you without taking these you know these specific steps to address the, the challenge at hand. Well, well, when I'm at work and I'm doing something I really enjoy that I'm good at, I have high energy and I'm really mm -hmm. efficient. Now, like if I'm marking up a document, I'm like, I'm dyslexic. I mean, it's a beating for me. I just don't want to do it. And I'm not even any good at it. So, you know, I don't do it. But, but I, I'm at a point in my life now that I, I, I've built a team around me that does all the stuff I'm bad at. But uh, I, I just think people need to lean into what they're really good at. And it's interesting when you meet a young person, some of them have total clarity about where their strengths are and some of them don't because they just mm -hmm. haven't been there yet to figure it out. But because um, I think the sooner you figure out what your kind of unique ability is, the quicker you're going to get placed right in an organization or in a profession to go excel. Yeah, and that's uh, that's that's uh, certainly a key part of transparency, right? Which is... Yeah. Be not just showing up to a, a mentor relationship and saying, I'm the best at everything. Go go help me figure out what I want to do. It's being honest with yourself and having some, you know, again, that that genuineness that you that you kind of talked about to say, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm not good at. I think I want to take that and go do this. What are the opportunities? Right. Yeah. Where where are the where's the opportunity for somebody like me to go participate in this in this community, in this in this role? The uh, like alcohol and drug abuse mentoring, I think I found the most effective way is to because people that have alcohol and drug issues are embarrassed. Right. And they think that they're more screwed up than anybody else on Earth. And they don't. They're just embarrassed. They would never let anybody know how screwed up they think they are. So I, in those relationships, I just become very transparent about how screwed up I was. And I think, and you show them that there's nothing you can talk about that is going to be any worse that you've done that I've done. You know, I've done it a long time ago, so I've been sober a while. But it breaks down the barriers to get to intimacy and genuineness to where you can get that people that have drug and alcohol problems think they're insurmountable. And you have, you know, it's a day-to-day -day issue, but it's breaking that down to show them that, hey, I've been where you are and you can get here. It's just a day-to-day -day deal. But it's, again, it's just about intimacy and honesty and, and authentic, authenticity. You have to be honest. So um, as you as you move through that kind of relationship, right? I mean, it's, you know, you told us a little bit about how some of your potential people that come to you for some mentorship already know what they're doing. Some of them think they know what they're doing, but they need a little bit of redirection. What do you do to evaluate the effectiveness of that relationship? Check in on some period of time or, uh, you know, maybe have measurable goals on the front end. You know, how, tell me about that process a little bit about what a mentee can do to make sure they're, they're getting and giving what they want out of a relationship and vice versa. Well, um, I try to set the boundaries or the goals of the relationship in the first meeting to find out what what their goals are and what they'd like to accomplish in their relationship with me 
And each one's a little bit different. You know, a lot of people are self-starters and they just want me to connect them. Um, so when I connect, I need to connect them with authenticity. So, cause like if I'm, David, if I'm calling you and saying, hey, this is a good young man, you know, my, my credibility with you is gonna wane if I send you a dud, right? So I have to be authentic about that. And so um, it's, it's about just being really honest with the person, framing the relationship, and then it grows or expands or goes away based on accomplishing the goals that are set in that first meeting. Like I've had some where I connect, they're really superstars, they get a job, they're gone. And they call, they'll send me an email, thank you very much. Some will continue reaching out. Then there's some, the ones that are um, maybe the most misplaced are the longest and the, and the, and the most difficult, but maybe the, maybe the most rewarding because it takes, um, it takes an intimate and open relationship to kind of get from where they think they want to be to where they need to be. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just being honest and transparent. Well, you know, that strategy clearly works. We, we've done a few deals with, um, with at least one of your mentees who I believe you still keep in touch with. Um, and he's, uh, he's been a very effective uh, partner for us and, and honestly friend. Um, you know, I've, we, we've met him outside of, of just doing deals. So yeah. clearly that, that strategy is working, right? And, and, obviously, and I know we have a great relationship with you and, and your firm as well. And I've, I've also yeah. done deals with you guys. So, yeah. you know, part of, part of that is just creating a culture around, you know, the mentor that breeds um, effectiveness and, and success. So, you know, having clear goals up front and they may change, right? It, they shouldn't change every day. They shouldn't change every week. Um, but, you know, it's a living document on some level. And, um, you know, I think those goals and curious about your thoughts here um, as they change should be also communicated, you know, specifically. I think now I have accomplished X, Y, Z goal. How do you think about ABC? Is this something you can help me with? How should I think about approaching it? Right. Well, I mean, I've had people that I've mentored that found a position and then 18 months later, they call or reach out, we get together, and they feel like they're misplaced now that they're there. So then mm -hmm. it's, it goes into the next phase of it. But mm -hmm. obviously they had to have seen value in the first phase of, of our relationship. We, even though we spent time together, they got in a position and they left. This is like mentoring them for a job. Now they're misplaced and they wanna kind of reposition themselves and they're looking for advice because either they don't have respect for their Sometimes they don't have respect for their company. So mm -hmm. sometimes they don't have respect for the person they're relating to or, or reporting to every day. It's all kinds of stuff. But I do think um, it's about, you said, Matt, is setting back boundaries, setting goals, and then checking them off as you accomplish them and just adapting to what kind of comes based on where you go. A lot of times you start heading in one direction and end up going in another one. If there's enough intimacy and they see enough value in the relationship that they're totally open with you, then it's effective. Everyone that I've, I've, I've been involved with, the ones that are the most transparent and see value in it, it just grows. But again, I can really do my best to pour into somebody, but if they don't see value in it, I think there's no relationship. There. And it doesn't mean it's bad. It's just that they don't see value in it. Mm -hmm.
So now that we're sort of, we're, we're midway through 2021 or, or almost midway through 2021, you know, 2020 was a little bit of an aberration year. Um, I'm Ooh. curious about how your, how your mentor mentee relationships uh, changed and, you know, were, were addressed in 2020. And, and if you notice any, you know, what I'm going to call trends that are now permanent structures within the mentor mentee relationship and, in 2021 and beyond as a result of the disruption that we saw throughout 2020. Okay, so um, as college kids graduate, right? So they start looking in January to try to find a job if they're gonna graduate in May, right? So in the COVID year, the year before, we I mentored probably 30 people of which maybe 20 found jobs and then COVID hit and they were promised jobs, but didn't get them. So during COVID, those 20 had to make a decision. Do I sit and wait to see when this is gonna come back? Cause early on, I thought COVID was gonna be a 90 day deal and we'd be back. You know, it ended up having its life. I think we all did. <laughs> but, but I think then, but, but what, I, what I ended up doing is mentoring people. Like I had one guy, he's an ex quarterback at Arkansas smart, sharp kid, had a really good position with uh, a big brokerage firm here. And they called him and said, we're out. We, we you know, we're putting him on hold. Mm -hmm. We are interested, but not right now because our business was shut down. And he and I just kept meeting and he went and took a job in medical sales, right? He came to me and he goes, hey, I can get a job in medical sales. I said, take it. Go get a job <laughs> there. I said, but be transparent, be honest, mm -hmm. go take it. And so just two weeks ago, he called me and said, hey, is it time to get back in to real estate? And I, I, my mentoring to him was stay in touch, stay in touch with those people, because if they wanted to hire you, I'm sure they still do when they have a need. But so I would say the way COVID affected is there were a lot of people that I thought I had helped get placed that were displaced. So now you've got all those people that thought they had a job that don't, and they, they've kind of pivoted for a year. Then you get the next wave of all these kids coming in, and there are, there's, there's like five looking for one, one job. It's really tough right now. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I always try to tell people, uh, start at the top, go get Utopia, and work your way down with companies. And Because, and, I mean, your first job isn't your last job. It, it's mm -hmm. about getting in, getting in the game, and then figuring out from there. But I would say what COVID did was it just was a total disruption to, to everything. You know, we thought we had accomplished a lot of things that we hadn't really because a lot of it went away. Mm -hmm. And and obviously, I, I imagine, you know, during the height of, uh, of the lockdowns, you were not meeting in person with, with your mentees. I imagine there were a lot of Zooms, team meetings, things, teams meetings, things like that. You know, do you see those trends continue? I mean, are, are you taking on or seeing some of your peers take on mentees that are across the country and you still meet with them regularly? The relationship is, is the same, setting goals, having defined uh, timeline expectations, but, but now it's sort of shifted to a virtual relationship away from sitting knee to knee, eye to eye, which I know, I know, you know, I like to do. And, in yeah. business relationships. Well, well, I was back in my office June 1. So I've been in my office for a while. And, <laughs> and again, I think entrepreneurs, 
went back sooner than bigger big companies right so so i've been back to work since june our company's been back to work since mid-june um we've had a couple starts and stops where there was a covid related illness in the building and everybody went home and, and one of the things that was amazing is everybody kind of dealt with covid differently and like i had employees that were scared to death of it and they're they're in they're raising they're having children they're you know everybody has different issues based about where you are in your life cycle mm-hmm. and so but i think you have to really respect how somebody feels about it and because it's genuine to them like for me i mean i just decided that after 90 days i was going to go back and keep moving forward and i was going to i got a lot accomplished during COVID, and it wasn't on my short game it was in my business because while everybody was doing home repair work i was driving the market i was looking for opportunity and i think i'm i'm ready when this thing turns back on but but i i think you have to respect how people view what happened because i had a lot of younger uh, childbearing age people that worked for me that were scared to death. And I, I totally respected it. Um, but uh, from a mentee-mentor relationship, like even today, I've got kids from the West Coast, East Coast, because they just get referred by somebody that knows somebody that said, hey, Collie can help you. Um, I'm much more of an in-person person than a video, but I gotta tell you, I think this kind of a system, Zoom calls are awesome. I mean, I think we've gotten a lot more efficient, you know, drive downtown, find a parking place, have a 15, 20 minute meeting, drive back to your office, you're eating up an hour and a half to two hours, or you can do it in 30 minutes. I think there's been a lot of real pluses of COVID, but I still am one that I think relationships are best person to person. Well, there's no doubt that in-person video is really been the kind of the hero of COVID from a relationship standpoint, because, you know, all all of business focuses on, you know, runs on relationships and you just can't do that over the phone. And so this is about, I've been saying since the beginning of COVID that a video conversation is, you know, it's not a hundred percent of being in person, but it's 75 or 80 and that's, and versus a telephone call, which is 15 or 20, right? So it's, it's not, it's not all the way there, but you know, boy, it's material. So it's very effective, you know, like, I'm an office building developer, right? Everybody's worried that nobody's going back to work. Uh, as far as from office, they think they're gonna work from home. You know, how does a guy that's 30 get promoted if he's at home at the kitchen and his boss isn't relating to him? Mm-hmm. Um, the people that are here every day with me have a better shot at a brighter future in this company because they're adding value, I can see it. And, you know, I just think People want to collaborate. People want to be together. We're all social, you know? And um, so I think in-person is the best, but this method right here is awesome. And I use it a lot because it makes me more efficient. Sure. Bill, one, just a couple more questions before we, uh, before we kind of close out today. One, you know, a big part of the real estate in- industry is longevity and resilience. Um, and planning ahead and not focusing on um, kind of the short-term uh, issues that may arise. What in the last, just, you know, as long as we're revisiting uh, 2020 and 2021 in the midst of a, a pretty serious crisis, obviously, to what extent did those conversations with, uh, or the, you know, those mentorship conversations have to do with um, the general real estate attitude of stick it out? 
right? All things pass. You just gotta, you just gotta bear it and focus on the long term and you know execute on a day to day basis, but really have a long term view and not let these uh, you know these kind of short term things bother you. Yeah, I mean, over over the, the life of your career, I imagine you've gone through multiple cycles like this um, and have been able to see. And obviously, you've you've ridden the downturns um, and and come out stronger. So, just wanna. Well, on the mentor-mentee relationship, um, one was you got to have a frank conversation about um, finances. You know, can you afford to be patient? You know, um, my 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 view was I tried to be really honest with them. After the first ninety days, I said, "Hey, this is going to be a long ride. So this is you got to figure this is going to be a year, and then we got after it's over because I think we're close to where it's over, but then." Not every like some big companies don't go back to work to Labor Day, so they're not going to start making decisions till the end of the year. So next summer is when I'm going to be busy in my business. In reality, I'm busier today than I was, and every day it gets busier. But where we get back to normal, it's going to be a two or three year process to get there, because there's going to be the people that went broke, the vacancies that that have opened up in the market. There's just a lot of issues there. So on the mentor mentee relationship, it was just being really honest. I mean. You know, if, if you got to go get a job waiting tables, but there's not going to be opportunity. You just honestly, you're not. And people are not going to hire you because their businesses are shut down. So you need to go find a place to go to take care of yourself and then stay in touch. Continue to touch that person that you're trying to get the job from so that they know that you're committed to working for them and you really value their company. And then when this thing turns back on, that position should be open. And mm -hmm. I, and we're going through it right now. A lot of these people are getting placed. And the people that stayed in touch with the people that they, over the last year, are, are shoe-ins versus the new guys coming in trying to get a job, new group guy or girl. But, and, and the other thing is, I'll tell you one thing about cycles. <clears throat> when I was young, it was about growth and big and more. I wanted to have lots of people, lots of, I wanted to do everything in big because I thought growth was good. And I think growth is good, but I think as you age, it's experience from making mistakes. You figure out what you're good at. And if you stay in your lane, like I know what I'm good at today and I know what I'm not good at. I'm staying away from everything I'm not good at. No matter how shiny and pretty it looks, I just pass. And, I, and I'm, I'm a big believer in betting on yourself. If you bet on yourself and you focus on what you're really good at, you're going to win. And, and I think... Um, understanding that and staying in your in your lane uh, as an entrepreneur, I think just is huge benefits. Like I went through cycles in my life where I was buying hotels, buying multifamily, doing it all. And the one thing that I know I'm the best at is office buildings. It's just what I know. It's it's I know how to fix it. I don't have to ask anybody. I know what to do. And if you're in a market that you know really well. I have relationships here. That's why I stay in Texas, because I know everybody. I don't want to be the guy that's investing in Denver that's the dumb guy from Dallas that came in and overpaid for a building. Because it takes now, now there's people that are good at that, but I've just realized where I'm good. And I think any market provides opportunity. There's plenty. And I also think doing less well is better than doing more marginal. Chick-fil-A. If their menu is not very big and they do it you really, it. really well. How about Canes? Another one. The guy's killing it. Chicken fingers and French fries. That's it. That's right. 
Well, thanks, Bill. I got to ask because we have you on the podcast and you're, you know, you're like one of the preeminent, if not the preeminent uh, guy on this industry, in this space, in this market. What can we expect out of the next 12 to 24 months in commercial real estate in Dallas, Texas or Texas in general? So I will tell you this. I'm, I'm um, and again, I'm in. When we went through COVID, I, a lot of owners were predatory when people needed rent relief, et cetera. I was very relational. I didn't ask for financial statements if people needed a couple of months waived. I just worked on the focused on relationships. We had very little, we had like 13 companies close out of 3 million square feet. That's not many. I am a big believer in Dallas. I think this market is on go. It's like the, the so like a sprinter waiting for the gun to shoot. Um, I think when corporate America goes back to work in labor and labor day, they're going to start making decisions. I think there's probably going to be a 10 to 15% deterioration in like tenants that renew, I think are going to take less space because they're going to outsource some things that they hadn't before COVID. <clears throat> but I think all that space, that excess space is going to be gobbled up by people coming to Texas. The residential real estate market's hot because people are coming from California and the Midwest to get to a pro work state and Texas is going to win. So I think Dallas is going to have about a two-year explosion because with the money the government's pumping into the into the economy, I think it's going to be craziness. I'm a little worried about inflation, but I think owning real estate in an inflationary time frame is good because I do think the government's going to manage interest rates because of the debt. So I'm very bullish. I think it's going to be very positive. I love that. We we share the same sentiment about Dallas in general. So it's it's good to hear from the commercial real estate perspective and, and an expert in uh, in Dallas in general. I mean, you know it better than than just about anybody else in the city. So good Thank good you. to hear. During COVID, we bought two buildings off market from corporations that were affected by COVID. Their balance sheet. So we got a COVID discount. Wow. And we had one where we bought their corporate headquarters and they had two buildings. They shrunk into one. They did a long term lease on one, but their their stock went from like uh, mid thirties down to three dollars. Wow. So and it was in a, it was in the airline industry. So I said, this is going to come back. Yeah. So I went and bought it at a discount because of their position. Today, they're back now wanting to grow back into that building, the yeah. vacant one that they moved out of. So it's about having faith in what's going on and knowing what the market and just making decisions. But if you see opportunity, you got to seize it. Love it. So now it's time for our rapid fire question section. Bill, we're going to ask you five questions. We ask the same guests the same five questions every episode. Um, and really, we're just looking for, for short answers uh, that, uh, that come right off the top of your head. Okay. So first question, what is the one habit that most contributes to your success? Consistency, authenticity. Dinner with three people, dead or alive, who would they be? My dad, Billy Graham, and Reagan, Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan, that's, awesome. a, that's a good one. I mean, that guy's <laughs> awful. I think he'd be fun. If you had $1 million to invest anywhere, where would it be? In Dallas real estate. Staying, staying true to the core business, I love it. You got it. <laughs> what are the top skills that you look for in your team? Drive, grit creativity, authenticity, but mostly number one, if you're going to hang it on one, drive. Somebody drive. that wants it. Because yeah, I mean, the ability to you don't have to be smart if you're driven. Mm -hmm. It's you all about find a way to solve the problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
And what are your competitors' greatest opportunities? Um, I think I think just Dallas is a diamond in the rough. Dallas used to be a, a, a market that institutional investors redlined. They would always invest on the coasts. The coasts are a mess. I mean, their tax laws, they're they're just very cumbersome. I, I think the opportunity is, is that Dallas is the shining star. Austin is probably as good a market as there is, but it's a very liberal market and, and it's becoming California and Texas. Dallas is the shining star. I'm telling you, Dallas is going to be where everybody's going to come to invest and or live and or relocate to in the next 10 or 15 years. So I think my competitors that are in this market realize that we're in the right city. Well, we couldn't agree more. Yeah, it's, I'm, I feel so lucky to be in Dallas. Uh, great. Well, that kind of, uh, that, that, uh, that's a wrap for today. Um, thank you so much, Bill, um, from both of us and from the Shields family. I know Jim would say the same thing. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. This was a wonderful conversation. And uh, yeah, thank you for joining. You got it, guys. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. Well, everyone, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, we heard from Bill Colley, um, yeah, an expert at mentorship, somebody that's done a lot of good for a lot of a lot of people in this community, commercial real estate in Texas and beyond. Um, you know, I'd say to summarize the tips that he had for everybody, it's focus on the person and the relationships. Come with an understanding of who you are and what you want. Make sure your transparency and seek transparency and response from a mentor. Seek feedback both good and bad, be open to that kind of constructive criticism about you know anything that's gonna help you personally and professionally and say no to what you're not good at, stay in your lane. So thank you again, Bill. We really appreciate that kind of advice. It's gonna be critical as uh, people grow their own businesses and find their own way uh, in a post COVID world. You bet, appreciate yeah, that. Thank, thank, you. thank you, Bill. And if you like what you heard here, make sure that you subscribe on the podcast channels. We're on Spotify and Apple Music. You can also visit growthtoexit.com and shieldslegal.com for more information. Follow us on our social media channels for all of the relevant business content. And definitely go check out colleypartners.com to view their properties, their team, all the, the current and future projects that they have within their portfolio. We'll make sure to include their website in the show notes. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Thanks.